This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's Bartender Journey Podcast number 163. My name's Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, my guest today on the show is Warren Bobro, and he's been a guest, a frequent guest. I think this is his fifth uh, appearance on the Bartender Journey Podcast, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, he, he has a new book. It's coming out soon. The official release date is June 1st, but you can order it now, pre-order it on Amazon, and I'll have a link to that up on uh, bartenderjourney.net. <laughs> and uh, so this is going to be our book of the week. Uh, you know, we've spoken to Warren before about his whiskey book, about his shrub book, and his first book was Apothecary Cocktails, but this one is different. The name of this book, would you believe it? Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics, The Art of Spirited Drinks and Buzzworthy Libations. Pretty wild. Uh, this is a uh, this is a trend that's growing, and I think it's going to grow even more after this book. So, uh, yeah. So that's our book of the week. And uh, like I said, you'll see a link up on bartenderjourney.net to that. Our cocktail of the week will be inspired by his book. Mine will be non-cannabis infused, but uh, whatever floats your boat, that's cool. We're going to take one thick slice of pink grapefruit and grill it. Uh, Warren suggests doing it in a um, black cast iron, in a you know cast iron pan, or uh, I suppose you could do it on a, on a grill as well, or or in the broiler if you wanted to. Uh, I like to sprinkle my fruit with a little turbinado sugar, you know, the sugar in the raw, uh, before I grill it. I like that, and uh, gives it even more caramel uh, flavors to it. And uh, then next, we're going to need some uh, extra anejo tequila, and uh, Warren infuses his with cannabis. So uh, for more instructions on how to do that. Uh, you're going to have to buy this book, or maybe when we speak with Warren, he'll uh, tell us how to do it. That's coming right up. Okay, so uh, then we've got some half an ounce of orange cognac liqueur. Uh, I use Gramenier. Uh, an orange twist and a big, a big. Uh, he used a spear of ice, which is really cool. I, I, I'm going to use a big, uh, big square block of it. I added three drops of orange bitters. I used a bitter cube orange bitters, which are really good. We're going to add the tequila. I used an ounce and a half of tequila, half an ounce of cognac, of Grammonier I used, and uh, we're going to shake that up. I double strained it into my glass over my big uh, rock, my big ice cube, and then add a nice orange twist, and uh, there you have it. All right, without further ado, let's talk to Warren Bobro. So, Warren, your fourth book, and this is a hardcover. It is. A, it's a hardcover. It's a bound book. It's got that new book smell. <laughs> nice. Well, let's let's tell anybody who doesn't know what the what the book's called. Well, the book is called Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics: The Art of Spirited Drinks and Buzzworthy Libations. It's a collection of seventy-five recipes by myself, Warren Bobro, the author of Apothecary Cocktails. That's great. Well, when we ran into each other at Tales of the Cocktail last year, you said, "I'm writing my next book is going to blow everybody's mind." I was like. <laughs> What can he be talking about? He's like, he said. He said, "I can't tell you what." It, he said, "I can't tell you what it's about." I said, "Oh, I can't even imagine what you're talking about." And then you finally sent me the uh, the link. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I did not see that coming." You know, I know no one saw it coming, and there's been a fair amount of uh, I wouldn't say animosity, but I will say uh, patient concern. <laughs> And I think a lot of it has to do with the people who are out there doing what I consider to be a money grab. Does that make sense to you? Where we have uh, hemp-flavored and hemp-scented vodkas out there. And I just bumped into one over at the – I was at the WSWA show out in Las Vegas last week. And I saw one that was – 
it was pistachio and uh, I think it had hemp in it or something. But, you know, the whole framework is wrong, and I, I'm really concerned about that. I, I have so much other stuff on my plate that I don't want to let this stuff get me down, but uh, I really think it's a money grab. And the reason for that being is I took a, a healing perspective for my fourth book, not a stoner perspective. But I think the, the perception in the marketplace is if it has hemp in it, it's going to get you stoned. And that, that's an educational thing, which is really lacking in our business. So, you know, I'm going to take a good hard look at that and see how I, if not change it, but at least get, give the idea out there that, uh, that just because your vodka is made in Humboldt County doesn't mean that it has cannabis sativa in it. Far from. Well, educate us. You know what? Uh, what is hemp as opposed to cannabis? Well, hemp is a building material. It's also uh, used for paper. It's used for cosmetics. There are some edible purposes, but it has no THC. Uh, it's been used for hundreds and hundreds of years, probably even thousands of years, in you know, in making paper. Our uh, Declaration of Independence is printed on hemp, but I might not necessarily want to put hemp in my pipe and smoke it. So it's a related plant, right? But but not the same. Right, but like hops is not like uh, the grass that I smoke and uh, or make cocktails with, and uh, and and but you make beer with it. And hemp is you know to date, as far as I know, hemp has only been used as an industrial material. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any psychoactive properties, and that's that's my difficulty with all of this. And, and as I said, Brian. I don't have time to be fighting the battle that the FTC should be fighting or, you know, or our TTB, you know, where they, they give permission to print a label and the label says cannabis sativa, but it's really hemp. I mean, cannabis sativa has never been hemp and it never will be hemp. And I don't understand. I mean, this type of thing makes me really crazy. And I suppose I should be worrying about other things like whether my book will sell or not rather than <laughs> someone else's products. But I guess it, to be authentic, you have to be truthful. Absolutely. If not being truthful, then we have an organization called the Federal Trade Commission, and they come in and they investigate it. And if the label says cannabis sativa, there better darn well be cannabis sativa in there. But really, at the end of the day, is there's none. So I'm very concerned about that. And I, I, when I met the folks over at, uh, I guess it was the Vegas Bar Week, and people were coming around saying, oh, they tried the, the cannabis vodka and it got them stoned. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got to do something about this. <laughs> right. Well, it's just an interesting time we're in now, I guess, because, you know, marijuana is becoming more accepted and, and legal in some places. So uh, I, I guess your, your, your timing's just right with this book. Uh, you're kind of a little bit ahead of the curve, maybe. I would say I'm definitely ahead of the curve because as opposed to some of my colleagues, and they've written some very nice articles, um, they haven't been involved with their own recipes. And this book is chock full of my own recipes. I didn't go out and ask for anyone's help. So when it came time to – actually, I did. Full disclosure, I, my book, of course, the foreword was written by the great Jerry Whiting, who uh, – is part of LeBlanc CNE in, in Seattle, and I really don't think I could have been as forthright and as elegant in my prose as I could have if I didn't have him. Mm-hmm. He, he gave me, you know, definitely, certainly gave me credibility, but he also checked everything to make sure that it tested, you know, maybe not physically making the cocktails, but certainly my techniques of getting to that point 
are, are the tried and true techniques. So, you know, when I gave the, the terminology and I gave the instructions, to, as I call it in the book, the basics, the basics were checked out. Okay. Well, the, this is a, a theme that's run through all your books is, is the, um, the, the benefits of, of these things and the, the apothecary side of things. Of course, your first book was uh, Apothecary Cocktails, and yeah. uh, it's carried through all, and uh, this is a natural uh, progression, I guess. Yeah, I think it's probably a testament to my good health because May 20th I turned 55, so I think it's the testament to my good living. There you go. That's great. Certainly, certainly I'm pickled. <laughs> Well, you're looking, you're looking great, my friend. I was just noted, looking at some pictures of you online, and you're looking fabulous. As we say, I have a great face for radio. Right. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit more about the benefits. I mean, the, the whys of why do we want to put cannabis in our cocktails? Well, you, you want to put cannabis in your cocktails not only because it has a good feeling, but because it has certain it, – it's been shown to alleviate certain ailments. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I – I certainly were very, you know, we're very cautious in the book to put, you know, this kind of thing. We put this disclaimer, said the distilled spirit producers featured in the book do not endorse or condone or support or promote the simultaneous consumption of alcohol and marijuana, nor were they involved in the production of the book. The distilled spirit producers featured in the book do not condone, support, promote, or purchase the sale of any of the use of any federally uh, controlled substances. We talk about, you know, taking on a health regimen. You should talk to your doctor first. I mean, it's all very, very important. You have to have all the disclaimers. And I know about putting all those disclaimers in because of my own grandfather who owned the company that made Geritol. And the FTC went after him because really all he was doing was making whiskey, but they called it for iron poor blood. Go figure. But anyway, you know, that's, that's these are the, thing, the way that our country has gotten, and, and we're all litigious and, and, and happy about that. But the, uh, the, the book really does take a step that, that has not been taken to date. And as I said, there, were, there have been some very, very nice articles written in magazines. I read a really nice one by my friend Kara Newman. I mean, they're just beautiful things that have been written, but no one has embarked to date on writing a full-fledged book on the topic. And certainly, if anyone has done it, they've been using other people's recipes. Well, no one has written the book yet, but if they've done magazine articles, they're writing uh, other people's recipes, and these are purely my own. So uh, I don't think anyone else would write a, a recipe like the no one can talk to a horse of course which is uh, good quality chocolate syrup, cannabis-infused barrel bourbon whiskey, chocolate liqueur, freshly whipped cream, and shaved dark chocolate. I was just looking at that recipe. It looks incredible. And a really bittersweet chocolate. I mean, you know, I'm 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 definitely a purist when it comes to martinis, but a chocolate martini (laughs) is only loathsome. But but this one, you know, it's not around long enough for it to be loathsome. Right. Well, how about the uh, how about the tastes of of cannabis in the cocktail? This is beautiful, you know. And, and I have all sorts of ways of, of decarving. I think decarving is the the hidden secret to unlocking the psychoactive element, which is present in cannabis. And you know, I, I always Brian, it's, it's so funny when I took my I took my uncorrected proof to WSWA, and I was kind of showing it around a little bit, and people look at it in one of two ways. They look at it with, with almost repulsion <laughs> because they're in the liquor business and it represents drugs. And of course, drugs are bad. 
But um, but they also look at me and they say, you know, what the hell are you doing? You have a great career in the liquor business. Why would you embark on this route into something that's federally uh, still illegal? And, right. And so I, I looked at it, and these people, and I, and I would say, but it's for healing. And it really was for healing. And until the 1940s, it was used in the apothecary for healing. And it probably was one of the only uh, ingredients in the in the toolbox of what I call snake oil, which is what anything is, if it's not from a legitimate drunk company, it's snake oil. Right. And it was probably the only thing that actually did anything. And as we're finding out in, in my, in the research that I included in the, in the book, and it is fully researched with a whole, uh, you know, at the end of the book, it says references and resources. I have references like the Center for Medicinal Cannabis Research at University of California, San Diego. Uh, I have stuff in here from uh, the British uh, Journal of Pharmacology. I mean, the, you have to research things. You have to do it right. And I, I wasn't taking the tack of making a book that just would get people stoned. I mean, any idiot can get stoned. But I think <laughs> the idea is to make it something that actually has healing benefits in my own estimation and uh, and make it something that makes you feel good at the same time. I mean, if you're sick, you're sick. And you, you, what's wrong with getting getting a buzz? I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. Certainly people have a drink or two or ten or whatever they do, and they get buzzed. They get wasted. I yeah. mean, this is, uh, this is a little more restrained. And I, I was really careful with my recipes to make them extremely – they're really, really on the weak side. I mean, but mm -hmm. uh, and any idiot can go and say – well, Warren made them so weak that I can't feel anything. I'm just going to double or triple. Well, I say go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I like how you say you say uh, you know have one an hour until you realize until you know how it, you know you said that several times in the book. Even even myself when I did the testing of the book when I had two in an hour and it hit me like a like I was going through a wind tunnel and it was unpleasant at best. It doesn't uh, take effect as fast as alcohol, right? It uh, it actually plays very nicely with alcohol, and that's what makes it so beguiling. Because alcohol hits you pretty much right away, and this takes about an hour. And if you had two drinks in an hour, the alcohol will make you feel a lot better. And then suddenly you're in this place where you've taken too much cannabis, and that's not a good feeling. No, no, not at all. So uh, you mentioned decarbing, which is, I, I had not actually heard that. I, I don't know much about this, anything about this subject, honestly. <laughs> but um, de you mentioned decarbing in the book, and I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, what is that? What decarbing does is it unlocks the THCA from the THC. THC is the part that gets you feeling happy, and the THCA is the stuff that uh, they say has medicinal benefits. Um, I am you know, I've never really experimented with THCA or CBDs for that matter. But I will say that I like, you know, I like smoking a little grass now and again. And I do like making it into my cocktails. And I know for you to feel the psychoactive properties, you have to unlock the THCA from the THC for you to feel any. So that happens with heat, right? That happens with heat. Exactly. And the tried and true which I learned from Jerry, which is easily, uh, you know, relatable. And you go to his website and it has everything there. Um, 240 degrees for 45 minutes, let it rest for about 15 minutes. I heat my cannabis in a turkey roasting bag. I find it keeps the smell down. 
Um, that's well explained in the book. And mm -hmm. I use what's called a magical butter machine, which is a uh, this incredible little thermos that has like a heat jacketed kettle and an immersion blender built into it. And it holds the heat at a very constant rate at 160 degrees for a period of time. I got permission to use the equipment in my book and I did include it. It makes me look like a pro. Cool. I also did everything from scratch on the stovetop. So, and I also did a sous vide method, which is, which is perfectly good. And it's no smell at all because the product is boiling in a bag and underwater. I mean, that's <laughs> sticking your nose in it. And I should hope not, but it, it works. It works pretty well. I mean, it works. It does what it's supposed to do. If you have neighbors who are nosy, Mm -hmm. But um, I also, and I didn't include it in the book, but I believe that it, that it could have been put in the book. I used the microwave, three blasts, one and a half minutes each with a five-minute rest in between. The last blast is one minute, and then you can go ahead and grind it up or just put it right in the magical butter machine. Okay. So, but the decarbing happens naturally, I guess, when it's it does, smoked, right? It, it doesn't really. It's natural because it's been, it, it lights up, you know, with the, with the fire. And it, right. But it can't go, you know, I guess the, the point is if it goes over 350 degrees, it vaporizes the THC, and then you won't have any effect. Huh. So if you're making brownies with decarbed cannabis, and you should always make brownies with decarbed cannabis mixed in like can of butter or can of oil, you never want to turn the uh, oven up more than 320 degrees because at 350, you might as well be cutting grass trimmings from your backyard and trying to smoke that stuff. That's not going to do anything for you. <laughs> or, or burning your money ahead of time, right? It's a waste of money. That's right. Yeah. So, so there's several uh, methods that you use to deliver the cannabis or, or, in, or uh, in, introduce it into the cocktail, I should say, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's not just using uh, cream-based. I mean, there's this misconceived notion that uh, the cannabis is only, uh, only fat-soluble. And I dispelled that that it's not fat-soluble at all, that, uh, that it works very well with alcohol. And I infused some high-proof you know, alcohol spirits, high, high spirits with, uh, with cannabis and got some marvelous results. I just did a bottle of rum. I will not be naming the name, but it's pretty easy to imagine what it was. And uh, I used uh, about 14 grams of uh, sour diesel in it. And, uh, you know, and people are going to ask, oh, well, you know, where's he getting that stuff from? I will not tell you. <laughs> um, either, you know, a teenager or a bartender, and it's not a teenager. <laughs> but, um, and it might not be a bartender either. Who knows? But at any rate, um, I did an infusion. It came out beautifully, and I was making rum punches, and I was making, uh, you know, down in Miami, I met a, a young guy, a real uh, – pioneering young guy who's making dank and stormies <laughs> that's funny <laughs> i made some dank and stormies they're they're pretty interesting and they take you know they take about an hour to hit you and the alcohol comes on first and then you have this wonderful full body you know experience depending on the strain that you use mm. and, it's, and it's really very peaceful and it's very pleasant i don't recommend driving on it you should not drive on it do not drive <laughs> Do not drive on it. Um, don't use any, you know, heavy machinery, chainsaws, uh, wood splitters, lawnmowers, um, pool 
pumps, anything like that. Right. You know, just remember, it's a, uh, I wouldn't say it's a mind-altering drug, but I will say that the first time you take it, it'll be unlike anything you've ever done before, and you mm. might actually like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made a list here of, uh, let, let me know if I'm forgetting anything, of the uh, different methods that you used in the book. Uh, tonics, syrups, shrubs, yep. tinctures, yep. butters, infusions, cream, and oils. Yeah, and also I use, yeah the creams meaning like coconut cream definitely, um, or just heavy cream, right? Was one. Yeah, condensed milk. I mm -hmm. use condensed milk. I did a uh, Vietnamese uh, Vietnamese iced coffee, which is with the condensed milk. Looking at it right now, it's the Khan Sava Safe. Pardon my 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 dis destruction of the Vietnamese language. Uh, cold Vietnamese-style coffee with its sweet, unctuous condensed milk offers nothing less than full-body gratification. Now you can make a medicated version at home. The key is the THC-infused condensed milk. <laughs> <laughs> I just love your recipe so much, the, uh, especially when you use grilled fruit. Oh, I love grilled fruit. It's so <laughs> good. We don't always have great fruit here, and, and you know where I live, and, yeah. and, you're, and you're pretty close by. And it's a, uh, you know, we we probably have the best ingredients in the area, of of course, but you don't always have great ingredients in the off season. So it's nice to be able to unleash those flavors of, of like grilled fruit because it just it gives more depth in a, in a craft cocktail. And you can take inexpensive materials and make it into something that no one has ever ever tasted before, which I really dig. Mm. That's really important. And, and most importantly, what I think about that is that you can use ingredients that are just that aren't perfect. So what I like to do is go to the market and ask for the day-old fruit. And that's what I use to make my shrubs because you don't want it to be perfect. If it's perfect, it's going to taste like like cardboard or bland. You want something that the sugar, you know, the natural sugars have started to almost decompose. That's what we're looking for. Right. But also, even if you have something that's unripe and you need to put it to use, uh, that seems to help. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, no, I, well, you know, like quince you could do. Okay. It's something which, which you know, no matter how, no matter how old it is, it's still rock hard. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those funny things, but um, but really, at, at the end of the day, it's a, it's about using the ingredients that resonate with you, and that's what I've always shown that if you can't find the, those perfect stone fruits, well, find something that's not so perfect, or or go to your Asian grocer in the area, and they always have funky things, things that that you're never going to see in your Occidental supermarkets. And that's that's what makes you know being a chef for at least for myself fun because mm -hmm. I'm always in, I'm interested in flavor in flavors in different layers and that's what makes my book so unique. It's not just a cocktail book; it's a it's a book about life. Well, I love this. I, I want to try this recipe even without the cannabis. The uh, walking across the sitting room, I turned the television on, <laughs> and uh, so you got grilled apricots, mezcal, uh -huh. simple syrup, lime juice. Seltzer, uh, Mexican mole bitters, and a hand and hand cup hand cut ice cubes. That sounds amazing. Right, right. Well, you know the song that that's from, also. That's uh, uh, no. Well, it's a it's a Phil Collins thing that goes back uh, oh. some time. I'm but, sure I'd recognize it if I heard it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but now do you know that? And a lot of my a lot of my recipe names I derive from from Delta Blues and Led Zeppelin and old Pink Floyd songs and things like that, because it just, you know, things like that resonate with me. Like the, uh, the, the one on page 122, the Coochie Coochie Man. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just, that's just what's on my mind. You know? that's, that's what I'm thinking of. 
I love uh, just the title of this one, or the name of this one, A Squadron of Ferocious Dragons. Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking of. Nice. Like we said, we use uh, oil or butter uh, in a lot of these, in some of these cocktails, but uh, just u- using oil or fat in cocktails generally, you know, with or without cannabis. So what's, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I wanted to, uh, to kind of change the way that people looked at, at flavor a little bit. And so all of my recipes in the book can be used with or without the, mm-hmm. the active ingredient, certainly. But I also have a chapter on what I call mocktails. They're, they're, THC-infused drinks that don't have any alcohol in them. And I really think that's for the future. And that may well be something that should be examined very closely as uh, cannabis becomes more and more accepted into the mainstream. And the reason for that being is that you can drink a delicious cocktail without any alcohol in it, but still have all the healing benefits that are apparent when you drink a, uh, you know, a THC-infused beverage without the alcohol. So you could use these drinks as a framework for drinks that you could just have during the day as a way of taking your medicine without having any of the alcoholic side effects. Right, right. So in the in the states where um, cannabis is legal now, are, are people doing this in bars? Yeah, that's a really good question, Brian. Uh, if they're doing it in bars, they're, they're putting their liquor license at risk. Mm. And I have to stress that that this is a still a schedule one drug and that although bartenders are doing it and it might be more like, more like a wink, wink and a nudge, nudge, but, uh, if they're doing it, they're taking a great risk and a liquor license is an extraordinarily expensive thing that probably does not belong to them. And, uh, although they might be a star bartender, that liquor license is worth a lot more than they are. And they've kind of lost track of that. But if you take that, those recipes and, Enjoy them with your friends at home. I don't see any any harm coming in that, and I still don't see any harm coming with it in the in a bar setting. But uh, but just don't get caught because if you get caught, they're going to remember you forever. They're going to remember me forever for this book anyway. But they sure right, are. Don't make it any harder on yourself. Yeah, I had so much fun doing it. I had so much fun testing things on myself. I had so much fun being wild and uh, and crazy and all those things that uh, that people would say. Why the hell are you doing this? You're 55 years old. You're acting like a kid, and I'm like saying like, I'm acting like a kid. I'm 55 years old, and uh, and, and damn it, I'm never going to work in the corporate world again, <laughs> ever. Yeah, I know you worked in the corporate world for many years, and it left you feeling quite uh, uninspired, right? I had no ambition at all. Mm. I had none. But it took losing my job and knowing that I couldn't go on being a secretary for the rest of my life. And my uh, my own wife said to me. Um, she said, uh, you don't belong in a, in a bank, and you certainly don't belong being an executive assistant. You should see what you want to do with the rest of your life. And I think I did pretty well figuring that one out. Now, I don't always agree with what everyone has to say, and I probably am a most disagreeable person about, about what to do in the rest of your life. But I think that the, this book, you know, Cannabis Cocktails, will certainly create some, some incredible buzz. I'm in the May issue of High Times, and I'm also going to be in the June issue of High Times, which will be released in a few short weeks. Uh, They did a a full in-depth interview on me, so uh, I have no idea what it's going to be like. 
It's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting. <laughs> Isn't that strange? Would you, I, I was just interviewed for something too, and it was in print, and uh, you know things that they put in quotes. It's like I know I didn't yeah, say it exactly that way, but they yeah, put my, it in quotes. My friend Andy Smith, who was my first teacher in food writing at the New School, said, "Once you turn in your paper, they they pretty much can do anything they want to it." <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what's good about this. Yeah, you know, I know I know exactly what you said. I recorded it. <laughs> that doesn't matter once you once you turn it over to them, you know. And that's that's why I, I look at things with such a critical critical eye now because I know how I've sent it to the editors. What they chose to do with it is their own business. Right, right. And Tuneman's uh, behind you. Yeah, on I'm so book, happy huh? about that, Brian. It means the world to me because I'll tell you, yeah. and, the, and the reason for that being is the first thing that Ann said to me is, Warren, I don't know about this. And I think that that's really important, and that's the takeaway from uh, from all the things that I've achieved with with the book. I don't think I could have achieved as much without Ann's support. And I wasn't looking for her approval as much as I was looking for her to say, that it's okay. It's something new. It's something that no one has done before. And I'm darn serious about it. I'm not just striking out on this uh, for the first time. You know, I mean, I really, I have three books to my name. I have a, a, a history of being forthright and a fine writer and where I believe I'm a fine writer. And I, I believe that, uh, that had she not wanted to be involved in it, she would have not been involved in it. She's a straight shooter. And, uh, you know, I'm not looking to be on her bad side. I like being, you know, appreciated and understood and, and accepted by the individuals who work alongside her. And, you know, this is a very flashy subject and I'm not looking for instant fame. What I'm looking for is a new way of doing business. That's what I'm looking for. And it's like a locomotive on a high mountain pass in the middle of winter, you know, and when that locomotive is, is screaming down the tracks and there's no brakes. There's very little you can do to stop it. So I see that coming my way and I've already been riding that locomotive. I'm not standing in its way. Yeah. Well, your, your success in the last few years has been amazing. And, uh, you, we've been trying to schedule this interview for about three weeks, but you've been on the road doing various yeah. things, which I mean, is I was in Miami. I was in Chicago. And the next day I went to Miami Rum Fest and then I was there for four, for four days. And then I went to Las Vegas for WSWA. I'm now back for one day or two days. I have an event tomorrow at Garmani in Red Bank, New Jersey for a hundred people. I'm doing it by myself. It should be very interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be, Oh, you're making cocktails for a hundred people, people by, yourself? by myself. Yeah. It's a real test to my, to my abilities. <laughs> yeah. I'll be just fine. Um, because, you know, after doing uh, the Vegas Bar Show only a few short weeks ago and then Miami Rum Fest, I mean, that's, I was hand mixing drinks for at least 300 people. Um, yeah. And then, so Saturday, I fly to Chicago for a Chicago Rum Fest. Um, I'm back for one day and then I fly, then I get in my car and I drive down to Asheville, North Carolina, where I'm the guest of honor at the Asheville uh, Cocktail Week. Which is going to be wicked fun, as we, as I like to say, and I'm going down with all sorts of fun things with me, and uh, one of which is some of that fine rum, and uh, nice. <laughs> what else? Um, and then I'm back for a little bit, and then I, I think I'm, it'll be almost time for tales of the cocktail. Like, by then. I'm back for like a day or a couple days, and then I go down to Florida again for the uh, it's the uh, Control State Show, which is happening. Hmm. Uh, 
right around the time of my 55th birthday on May 20th. It's uh, May 19th through the 22nd. I'm back for about four hours. I get in my car and I drive up to Albany, New York to do the Empire Liquor Show. Stay over oh. and then come back. Yeah, I'm going up to Albany for that. That's at the, uh, I forget where it is. You can probably find out because... Yeah. Um, yeah so I'm going to be mixing up some cocktails. I'm going to be making the Broad Reach with the uh, Fruitations, Tangerine, Syrup, Maison, XO, and uh, any one of the hundred different aromatic bitters that I have with my or, you know, cocktail bitters. Mm. You mentioned uh, Fruitations when I, when I saw you oh, in Las stuff. Vegas. And, uh, love the, yeah, uh, yeah, I love the uh, Royal out. Rose syrups also. I'm going to be using Royal Rose on Thursday at, uh, at Garmani in Red Bank. For Autism Speaks, that's what I, have, I should say. And we're doing it with uh, Mamont Vodka and Maison XO. Awesome. Yeah, I saw that on your on your website, cocktailwhisperer.com, right? Well, you're busy. I don't want to keep you any longer, but thank you so much for, as always, you, you, you've been on my, I think this is the fifth time you've been on my show, and I really appreciate it. I think you're the most frequent uh, guest I have. I, a frequent I have. flyer plan. You know, I get off this, this call yeah. right now, I get off this call, and I have a another call almost right on its heels at four o'clock with a radio station down in Asheville talking about the cocktail dinner that I created the list for. As soon as that goes live, I'll uh, put it up on my Facebook and, uh, and Twitter and send you a copy. It should be very interesting. It's at a restaurant called Rhubarb, which is, I guess their chef is a James Baird Award winner. And I, I created the cocktails for his, to his menu. And then we're going to execute them for 50 people. It should be a lot of fun. That's great. That's great. Well, Warren, thank you again so much. And uh, I'm sure I'll run into you at Tales of the Cocktail, Absolutely. if not before. I look forward to it, Brian. Be well. Thank you, Warren. Cheers. Appreciate Bye it. Bye for now. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Warren's a lot of fun to talk to and uh, always comes up with something different and new. So, uh, or what's new is old again, or old is new again, I should say. And, uh, well, this is a great book, and I hope you'll you'll get a copy if you go over to bartenderjourney.net and look for the posting that goes along with this show, number 163. You'll see an Amazon link to it. And uh, anytime you click through an Amazon link on bartenderjourney.net, go click through to Amazon and buy that book. Or even if you buy something else in that sort of uh, session, I think you call it, uh, it throws a little, uh, little, it doesn't cost you any extra. It throws a little money this way to help support the show. So I uh, appreciate you doing that anytime you're shopping at Amazon. Stand by for our toast. We do always do a toast at the very end of the podcast. Uh, but first, I'll remind you, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. I'd love to hear from you for any reason at all. You can get on over to bartenderjourney.net and use that contact page or you can email me directly at brian at bartenderjourney.net. I'm on Twitter at barkeeptips and there's a Facebook page. Just search for Bartender Journey in Facebook and you can like that page like it. I hope you're subscribed to the show so that you get the new episodes as soon as they become available and you can also browse the back catalog that way. If you're on uh, iPhone, all you got to do is go to your podcast app and uh, search for Bartender Journey and hit subscribe. And uh, there's also uh, ways to do it on Amazon. If you, got, if you go to bartenderjourney.net slash subscribe, there's a button that says subscribe on Amazon and that'll show you, that'll take you right through how to do it. If you can get on over to iTunes and search for Bartender Journey, you can leave ratings and reviews and you can leave five. So you can leave as many stars as you want. Five is the most you can leave. I'm just telling you, that's the most. And you can leave a review. Be like Bruce HH who wrote something nice and uh, left five stars. Thanks, Bruce. 
Don't forget about the competitions page on bartenderjourney.net. There are so many competitions out there. You wouldn't believe it. I just saw a, a new one today that uh, I got an email about. La Sutu Solera Brandies has one where you can win a trip to Spain. And uh, there's the Bombay Sapphire contest. And uh, I told you about Copper and Kings, which I, I'm in the semifinals on that one. And uh, there, there's a, so many of them. I'm trying to list them all on my competitions page on bartenderjourney.net. But I really encourage you to, uh, to enter these things. Prizes are amazing. Oh, there's a Moscow Mule one run by, run by Kettle One. Uh, and uh, there's, of course, the uh, Moscow Mule one. That might be closed now, but uh, Moscow Mule competition for Tales of the Cocktail this year. So uh, these th- you can win so many cool prizes. There's travel, you know, when you win and you just meet the most amazing people and uh, it helps get your name out there. Uh, it makes you, you know, celebrity status bartender. All right, here's our toast. And I saw this on a... Uh, on the end of a TV show, and it was a little corny, but I thought I liked it. What it's, I liked what they said. They said, "Hold them close, whoever's near to you, love them hard." We'll talk to you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. We advocate the repeal of the Eighteenth Amendment.